0: It is that time, Employment Law Show. Good to have you along. John Scholes here and managing partner, San Firu to Mark and LLP. Alex Luchaferro answering all of your questions, giving you the information you need. Uh, employment Law Show, yep, San Firu to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You have questions about your employment rights. As you know, this is your show. You've been terminated, laid off, wrongfully dismissed. You've been harassed at work, uh, experienced changes to your job uh, because, or maybe not, because of COVID-19 and the pandemic, or the vaccination question, right? Mandatory vaccinations have been a massive topic for a couple months now. Uh, Bring it on. Yeah. Email address. How about that? Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll try to get to some of those on the show today. Failing that, you can always go to pocket.com. EmploymentLawyer.ca Free, anonymous, a wealth of information, and included there would be the severance pay calculator. You know what that does. Calculate your severance accurately, whether you uh, need it or not, whether you're just doing it for interest's sake. You can do that anytime, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But we'll get into this today. Uh, Alex, I know we're going to talk about termination of employment, and if we have time, we might get to some uh, questions and uh, facts about employees on long-term disability, LTD. But week that was, what's been going on on your end, pal? How are you?
1: John, thanks very much. Great to be here. Great to be back uh, live on the air, uh, talking workplace rights, COVID nineteen, as you mentioned, all the questions that uh, come with it. Really, if it has to do with your work, if it has to do with employment law, we cover it all here on this very show. I always say, John, we've you know we've said it a ton over the over the, you know so many years. The more information and knowledge you have as an employee, the more protected and prepared you're going to be for whatever comes your way uh, at work. And the same thing actually goes for employers as well. And especially when they're, when we're dealing with these, you know, mandatory vaccination policies, as we're calling them, you know, a, a mistake in a policy like that, a mistake in letting an employee go or changing the terms of their employment can cost you dearly as an employer or, you know, you want to, so you want to make sure as an employer, you're getting advice before you act in employment law, like in any other facet of life. That kind of knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're here. Don't be shy. There are absolutely no bad questions When it comes to employment law, it's all important stuff, Uh, and you know we're here to help in any way we can. So do make sure to call in. Uh, As you mentioned, John, we always start the show uh, with the week that was. It's an opportunity to talk about a couple of matters that came across my desk uh, during the week to provide some good lessons for our listeners. But for the past few weeks, if not the past you know month or two, uh, John. all the talk in the employment law world has been about mandatory vaccination policies, whether they're legal, what rights do employees have if they don't want to disclose their vaccination status or if they're not vaccinated. It's such a hot topic at the moment, John, that I wanted to run through a couple of general yet important points about mandatory vaccinations in the workplace that at least will give, uh, you know, employees, uh, you know, a sense of what their rights are. Uh, mm-hmm. Every situation will be different, but uh, you know I want to point employees in the right direction when it comes to these policies. So if you'll allow me, John, uh, we're going to switch it up a little this week, and let's talk about mandatory vaccinations nice. <laughs> uh, a, a little bit. And I, uh, I want to make one general point to begin with when it comes to these mandatory vaccination policies, and that is whatever the law ultimately is going to be or is with respect to your particular employment. Practically speaking, as an employee, you're not going to be able to stop your employer from letting you go or from putting you on unpaid leave over this issue. You cannot actually physically stop and protest your employer from doing that. You're actually going to come to a point, as much as you debate the issue, as much as you have multiple conversations with your employer over this issue, you're going to come to a point where you're going to have to decide whether you're willing to lose your job over this issue, over being vaccinated or not, or over disclosing your vaccination status or not. The recourse becomes one of severance at that point in time, and potentially other damages as well, but it becomes basically a monetary recourse. It's going to be impossible not just for us, but for any employment lawyer, for that matter, or even any union, mm-hmm. potentially, for that matter, right. uh, to save your job, it becomes a question of severance.
0: And uh, I mean, that's the reason why you want to, uh, you know, send that email to Alex or or any of those type of. Th- I mean, it's when you have when you think about that, people are saying, "Well, what do you mean, Alex? They can't. I can't stop them from doing this if they're not allowed to do it in the first place. If I can claim severance for you know wrongful dismissal, why can't I stop them?"
1: It becomes like any other termination, John, where you cannot actually, again, physically stop your employer from letting you go.
0: They have that ability
1: as an employer. They have that power as an employer. It becomes a question of what legal rights flow from that termination, flow from the end of your employment. And again, that's when we get into severance and what are called damages. Uh, But again, to actually save your job in a situation like this is impossible. And that's why... The employee, you know, employees have to decide before they even contemplate what their severance might be and what, you know, what potentially those damages look like. They have to decide their job. John might be more important than than you know the vaccination issue, right? Right. A lot of employees might have already decided. You know what? I it's not worth losing my job. I love it so much that I'm actually just going to bite the bullet and get vaccinated and to, to save my job. You have to come to that, uh, to come to that decision. Before we start talking about severance, then when we get into severance, there are a couple of other fault lines that come into play. Uh, Certainly, whether you are unionized or not Mm -hmm. is going to matter a lot. Uh, Unionized employees, again, as we've talked about on the show, uh, John, for years and years now, unionized employees are bound by the terms of their collective agreement, and they're bound by their union. Their union is their legal representative uh, they live and die, so to speak, their, their their work does, their career does, at least with that particular employer, uh, lives and dies by what the union decides to do on this issue. And so if you have a union that supports mandatory vaccination policies and supports the employer's position on this issue, well, unfortunately, as a unionized employee who might disagree, right. you are stuck. You are stuck with what your union's opinion is. Uh, And again, your employment might come to an end in a situation like that. And now you have, you know, the only way you can really fight the termination is through the union, but the union doesn't agree with you. So that's a very, very difficult position for these unionized employees to be in. They're basically stuck in that framework uh, and they'll really have no other recourse. We as employment lawyers cannot help unionized employees. They have to stick within that union system
0: let's grab a uh, a call as we roll on here david thank you so much for uh, for standing by for a few moments how are you
1: good thank
2: you
0: good what's on your mind
2: well my question is so my company has imposed a vaccine policy that wherein if you're not double vaccinated by a certain date you have to provide a weekly on a certain day i think they right by seven a.m. Um, I forget what the test is ca- called, but it's the one It's a good one that basically OHIP doesn't cover. So I'd be out 100 bucks a week to get this test done. Should I not decide to be vaccinated? So my question is, because they're providing an alternative to the vaccine, is this going to affect me getting severance? Because like technically they've provided an alternative. Problem is it's going to cost me money. Um, can, I, can, can I consider that a constructive dismissal or not?
1: Yeah, it's an excellent question, and I'm uh, I'm I'm glad you asked because again, it's a topic that's coming up a lot, and lots of people are in exactly this kind of situation. So it's much appreciated. I think, uh, and I strongly believe that the employer should be paying for tests here uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, number one, you mentioned that you know the cost here isn't in, insignificant. We're not talking about twenty bucks a week, which will, you know, what at that point, if, if it was something like twenty bucks a week, an employee might have to bite the bullet in that respect. But if we're starting to talk about hundreds of dollars, uh, you know, a a week, and that's what, you know, that's over five grand a year, uh, you know, that's a significant amount of money. That may be a constructive uh, dismissal. It depends on how much you earn in general. But I, I also think that setting aside constructive dismissals, it's just unreasonable for an employer to do. Employers can actually get rapid tests for free from the government. There's no reason why employees should be footing the bill for this kind of stuff when employers have options like that. So I, I think uh, the go ahead.
2: Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Their 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 line of thinking is is that the rapid tests aren't as certain and they're not as good, so that's why they want this gold standard to keep safety and the protection and protect their yeah. uh, employees to a
3: certain level. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's oh. fair. And I can understand that. I, I don't know if I necessarily gr- disagree, but I understand the, uh, or agree rather, but I understand their position. The question is, I mean, the point is, if they want that standard of test, the PCR test, then they can pay for it, is right. is, is, is the point. Uh, the other point I'll make more generally is, depending on your industry and depending on your workplace, and you certainly don't have to tell me who your employer is, but testing may actually be considered reasonable in some workplaces not in every single case necessarily but uh, there are already a couple of decisions out of the union environment where testing has been deemed reasonable in Ontario and so the testing isn't necessarily a massive problem per se it, but it becomes a question of who's paying for the testing how often it is and how onerous it is uh, I would push back on this issue if if I was you. I wouldn't bite the bullet and pay the hundred bucks uh, uh, a week. I think it warrants a conversation with your employer, certainly if you haven't had it already. And I'd also uh, suggest that maybe you contact us off air. Let's have a private chat about all of uh, all of this and kind of strategize and think about a game plan uh, moving forward.
0: Dave, got to take a, I uh, got to take a short break. Appreciate your call, reaching out as Alex mentioned. Simple one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Lots more on the way. This is the Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. Right back at it. John Scholes here along with Alex Luciferro, Managing Partners, San to Mark and LLP. Feel free to reach out to Alex and his team anytime confidentially. You can email as well, uh, employmentlawyer.ca. That number, one Also go to employmentlawyer.ca for more information. Reach out. Get the compensation you deserve from the team that you trust. They have helped tens of thousands of Canadians across this country, especially now. Uh, get the compensation they deserve, get some results, so uh, so reach out for sure. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca, I mentioned that off the top. Alex, that is a website everybody can go to, free, anonymous, tons of information there. There's even a section on long-term disability on PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. Do that even before you give Alex a call. But want to talk about termination of employment and severance and all those questions that people have pretty much every day when, uh, when you get phone calls, uh, Alex, but first want to get to one, and that would be uh, our pal Jessica. I could just get Jessica on the line here with my trusty phone. No, I can't. We'll get Jody to do that because it ain't working on my end. Jessica, how are you?
4: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Other than my mouse not working, everything's uh, everything's fantastic. What's going on with you?
4: I just have a quick question. Um, I've heard about severance. You did touch upon that. The biggest question that I have is regarding whether or not the eligibility is still valid. So I'm with a federal company. Um, I've heard rumors of severance being a lot less. Or mediocre, or at par, or a lot more. Can you expand on that?
1: Yeah, it's an excellent question, uh, Jessica. And um, those, uh, you know, those rules can be very misleading. The reality is that whether your employment is federally regulated or provincially regulated, the severance rules are the same. Your severance is based on your age, position, and years of service. And so the longer you've been with the company, the older you are, the more senior, the more specialized your position is, the more severance you're going to get. What you might be referring to are your minimum entitlements. And as uh, as a federally regulated employee, those minimum entitlements are found in the Canada Labor Code. If you're a provincially regulated employee, they're in the Employment Standards Act. The reality is that neither matters. Again, those are minimum entitlements. They're kind of the bare bones of what an employer has to do when it comes to the termination of your employment, they don't impact what your full severance entitlements are. It's what we call your common law severance entitlements. This is judge-made law. This is law that's developed through our court system over the course of, you know, hundreds of years now. Uh, And that is what matters, your full severance entitlements. And again, the analysis is always age, position, years of service, not whether you're federally or provincially regulated.
4: Okay, thank you. And just, just one more question. Do sure. you believe that in this situation we would be entitled to severance? Because we've been we've actually been told that we wouldn't at all. So it's kind of a big, uh, <laughs> we don't know what to decide, right? So Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess you're talking about the mandatory vaccination situation, Yeah, yeah right? of course. Yeah, so at the federal level, it depends on what your particular industry is. Again, you don't have to tell me who your employer is, uh, Jessica, but if you're in the transportation industry Uh, severance might be an issue because you have been government mandated at the federal level. Mm -hmm. Also, if you're a federal government employee, severance might be an issue because again, federal government employees, so I'm not talking about federally regulated employees. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about employees of the actual federal government
5: Mm -hmm. are
1: also mandated by the government, by the federal government to be vaccinated. If you're not in those industries, uh, Jessica, uh, despite what your employer might be telling you, uh, severance is still owed. That's okay, where the fault so, line is in your particular situation. It's whether so, there's a government mandate or not.
4: So so with the government mandate, that's when it would be kind of questionable whether or not you would be
1: eligible. Yep. Be- because the employer is almost absolved in that situation because they can say as the employer, listen, it's not us that's doing this. It's the government that's imposing I see. this obligation on us, and it kind of absolves Uh, the employer. If you're in that kind of situation, uh, Jessica, it's probably worth having uh, a chat. Are you a unionized employee?
4: No, no, I'm not.
1: Okay. So then it would be worth speaking with an employment lawyer because again, you you might want to strategize and think about how you respond to your employer in a situation like this. Uh, Every, you know, every case is different. Every workplace is different. and, And so it really needs to be scrutinized in that
4: way. Okay. Thank you very much for your time.
0: Thanks, Jessica, for yours as well, uh, reaching out again to Alex and his team. Feel free anytime to have that conversation, one 855 821 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, you know, you mentioned two things there, Alex, and I know you and I know the, the difference, but just to break it down for anybody who's just joining the show or, or not sure what the difference between being a federal employee and federally regulated, wherein lies the difference? We do know now that you mentioned it with vaccines. One, you really don't have much choice. The other one, eh, there's some leeway there. But what's the difference in the in the in the actual definition of those two?
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, when we're talking about federal government employees, uh, you, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's obvious, right? So these are you are employed by the federal public service. There are obviously, obviously a number of departments in the federal uh, uh, government, and you can be employed by any one of those. And for those government employees. Uh, at least for a lot of them, I would say most of them probably, uh, there is a government mandate in place requiring employees to be vaccinated. Um, And that means that those employees that are not vaccinated or that don't want to disclose their status, uh, they're going to have to contend with this issue. They're going to have to deal with this issue and it might cost them their job. Uh, Lots of these employees as well. Uh, John, are unionized, as you can expect, for government employees. And so, again, they're going to have to contend with their union and speak to their their union rep about it, and they might hit uh, a brick wall there and there might not be much to do. It's different for federally regulated employees. There are a certain number of industries in Canada, John, that are federally regulated. Telecommunications, transportation across provinces or internationally. Um, You know, what are uh, are some... uh, Others. Those are the first two that kind of come to mind and the most popular. I think banking is another one. Uh, And in those particular industries, again, your employment is not governed at at kind of your minimum protections and employment standards. It's not governed by provincial legislation, which in Ontario is the Employment Standards Act. It's governed by a piece of legislation called uh, the Canada Labor Code. But again, my point to Jessica, and this is actually the way the law works. John, whether your minimum employment protections are governed by the federal level or the provincial level, it doesn't matter. Employees at either level still have their full protections under the law, and that might also apply to these mandatory vaccination situations where if you work for a bank or if you work for a telecommunications company – uh, and again, transportation is different. But if you work in one of those two industries and your employer is imposing vaccination on you as kind of a as a term of employment and without it mm-hmm. you're being let go, again, practically speaking, I hate to say it, but practically speaking, it might cost you your job, but you would still be owed severance in situations. Like that. Um, awesome.
0: Love the description. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it's going to clear a lot of things. I've got a break soon, but I want to get uh, get Mary in here. Hi, Mary. Thanks for standing by. How are you today?
5: I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, This is for my friend. She has been with a company for, uh, I think it's 21 or 22 years. She is now being offered a position in the same company, which is not unionized. If for any reason she is let go, will her previous employment with the same company count for her severance?
1: And so she's currently unionized and being offered a position that is non-unionized.
5: Correct. And that would actually, she would enjoy having that new position. But Mm -hmm. she said, I need to know. She's 57 or 58. Of course. So it's not that easy to get another job if she's just going to let go.
1: Excellent question.
5: We don't know.
1: Excellent question. Very important question. And your friend should be uh, aware of a couple of things. Number one, yes, her previous years of service should be counting uh, towards. Uh, you know, towards her future position, even if there is a change from unionized to non-unionized. Okay. If she is signing an employment contract, which I suspect she is, or some sort of offer letter, that letter should confirm that her previous years of service are recognized. Oh. However, an employment contract or an offer letter, if she's signing one, and again, I, I fully suspect that she is, Uh, that offer letter may also have some terms in it that either limit her severance entitlements or allow the company to change the terms of her employment. So it's important that she review the contract with an employment lawyer, both for the issue that you mentioned, Mary, which is the length of employment, but there may also be other terms in the contract that either limit her severance entitlements uh, as a 20 or 21 or 22-year employee, her severance entitlements as a non-unionized employee would be very, very significant, probably in the range of two years of pay. Uh, but again, Ooh. the contract might limit her to less than that. So she should speak with one of our employment lawyers. Uh, Mary, encourage your friend to give us a call off air. I'd be happy to have a chat with her.
5: She won't be able to today. That's why I'm calling for her. <laughs> and, uh, but I will definitely pass this information on and your uh, phone number.
0: Thank you Mary, really appreciate you uh, taking the time. You're a good pal to call in for your friend. And that you know that's a that's a really interesting situation, Alex. You really have to weigh the cost benefit of that. I mean, she's already got 2021 20, years in as a union employee, so okay. If she was let go, her severance would be, you know, for all intents and purposes, a pittance of what it would be if she was non-union. But the flip side, as you said, if there's language in this, this contract that they will probably slide across the desk to her, she's got to be really careful which way she goes because she could just get her, uh, her entitlements, which would come to her normally really cut back. So it, it could be a tough situation or it might be, uh, might be a moot point if they just say, yeah, don't worry. We'll continue and recognize your service. Welcome to the non-employ, non-union environment and, uh, have at her. I mean, it, it could be, that good, but it could be worse, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's
1: absolutely right. Listen, ideally, the contract says absolutely nothing about termination uh, or severance. Yeah. That would give uh that would give this employee kind of her full entitlements. But you know, a lot of contracts nowadays, uh, John, especially in 2021, will have termination language in them that limit employee severance entitlements, or at least try to and at the very least, listen, this employee needs to be aware of what that language means, what it means for her severance entitlements if she's ever let go. And at least then she can decide whether she wants to accept the position or not with this information and why, knowing full well what her entitlements might be. If she just fi- signs off without that advice, she doesn't know. She has no idea what she's signing up for. And uh, yeah, that could, you know, that could bite someone uh, in the long term.
0: Got a break in a minute, so let me ask you this one final question, having to do with Mary's case. She says no, she doesn't like the employment contract. She has you review, and you go, "Ah, you know what? I wouldn't go for Mary. They go, okay, no problem, we understand. You're fired. Then what happens?
1: Well, it's an interesting one because again, she's currently a unionized employee, so her severance entitlements would be whatever the union say, whatever the collective agreement says it is. However, as a unionized employee, she would also have the ability to grieve the termination, to grieve the decision. And so, uh, you know, she might be able to get her job back in that respect. If she was a non-unionized employee, uh, John, and she was let go after 21 years of service or 22 years of service, again, her severance entitlements would be, you know, probably in the range of two years uh, of pay. That's the difference between a unionized and a non-unionized employee. Non-unionized employees can get significant amounts of severance. Unionized employees can potentially fight to keep their job back.
0: And with that, we'll take a short break and get back to your calls. Kayla, stand by. We will get to you and continue our chat and termination of employment as well. It's the Employment Law Show right here, Global News Radio. And welcome back to it. Uh, yeah, you want to call Alex anytime off air, you can do so. Managing Partners, Sanfiru, Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in this country. How about that? It doesn't matter if you're Ontario, BC, Alberta. Number one, right at the top of the list, that would be one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. But always on this show, the phone calls are the top priority. Kayla, thank you so much for standing by. How are you?
4: Hi, I'm well, thank you. How are you?
0: Fantastic. What's on your mind?
4: I'm just calling on behalf of my mom, actually. Um, she couldn't call in today. So she's been a retail employee for about 20 years, uh, full-time. Um, she, like, she punches in and out. Um, she's not salary um, the company recently changed ownership and, you know, without any knowledge, any new kind of employment contract or terms have ceased benefit um, and taken away vacation time and such it has changed substantial terms of the agreement. Um, does that not constitute constructive dismissal of any type?
1: It very likely does. Uh, Kayla, when did this happen?
4: Um, a few weeks back.
1: Yeah. So your, your mom should definitely reach out and we and we should have a chat if they're removing benefits and changing vacation time. I mean, that in and of itself, even without changing pay necessarily, is going to cause to what we call a constructive dismissal, which is basically right. a kind That's of breach, of, breach yeah. of contract. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and, you know, perhaps just as importantly, uh, the sooner you act here, the better. The longer your mom waits, the more the employer will be able to think, okay, well, these employees have implicitly accepted this new status quo. And and so you want to object, of course, you know, professionally and and respectfully, but you want to object as quickly as possible.
5: Right.
4: Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for your help. Um, Is there a number that I can reach out to you or she can reach out to?
0: You bet, Kayla. I'm going to give it to you uh, right now. 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. It is just that simple, my brother. So we'll, uh, as we get more calls lined up here, want to get into this termination of employment. Uh, some basic uh, know-how and how-to about severance because, I mean, after all these years of doing this show, Alex, we still get some basic questions about severance. People got to know this stuff, especially in the climate we're in now. I mean, is there is there a rule of thumb in terms of how much severance an employee should get? Because, you know, you ask a colleague or your uncle Steve, he's going to say, oh, yeah, I've been through this a hundred times. Yeah, it's a week per year. No problem. They've uh, they've given you what you deserve type of thing, right?
1: Yeah. Like, like many other things, there's lots of misinformation out there, uh, John. And, and you're right. Lots of people will think, oh, severance is one week per year of service or two weeks per year of service or something along those those lines. And it's just not the case. And I mean, there is no actual rule of thumb when it comes to severance. Every situation is different, and you can't necessarily say it's even a month per year of service. It's pro, you know, it's much more accurate uh, than saying it's a week or two per year of service. But again, it's not a rule of thumb. And I'll give you an example: uh, a short service employee. So let's say an employee who's been with the company for, a, let's say, only about a year, and maybe even less than a year. Let's let's say mm-hmm. you know seven or eight months in a. Supervisory position, or lower management position, or even you know, a, even a just a regular position. Let's say it's a kind of a, a skilled laborer or a technical laborer. An employee who's only been with the company for less than a year might still get something like three or four or five months of severance. That's obviously way more than a month per year of service. It's obviously way more than a week or two per year of service. But it's the right amount of severance, uh, uh, John, because it might actually take that employee that amount of time to go out there and find new work, even though he was just with an employer, just with a company right. you know, for a few few months. So that's an example of how, again, there is no rule of thumb. I can't tell you it's a month per year of service or any other number. It depends on, empl- on an employee's age, position, years of service. It's way more than what the Ministry of Labor is going to tell you. It's way more probably than what your employer is going to offer you. Keep in mind, when an employer lets you go uh, they're always looking for good value. They're looking for a good business deal from their point of view. And so they'll offer you the minimum amount of severance that they can uh, and, and then kind of let you fight for the rest. And that's where we come in. Uh, the good news is that these matters are not complicated. This is not a complex area of law, uh, and it's relatively easy for us uh, to get an employee their full severance entitlements based on those factors, based on age, position, and years of service
0: let me lob an easy one over the plate for you and the question i know you get and people wonder is how common is it though for severance packages to be uh not adequate not adequate
1: yeah yeah and i just as i just alluded to it's uh it's actually pretty common uh uh, john i mean you know it is very very rare Uh, you know i'm trying to think here maybe maybe once a month I speak to an employee who's been offered a reasonable severance offer oh, wow. and, and we speak to people every single day who've been let go John and been offered severance uh, packages. That's how rare it is. The vast majority of the time and you know probably 99.9% of the time uh, an employer makes a severance offer than lets less that is less than an employee's full severance mm-hmm. uh, entitlements. again because they see this as a business transaction. They see this as uh, an opportunity to save as much money as possible. And unfortunately, a lot of these employees, uh, John, will simply sign off on those severance offers without getting legal advice, without speaking to an employment lawyer, and without knowing what their full severance entitlements actually are. And that's obviously the wrong move. If you've been let go from your job, the first thing you need to do uh, is speak with an employment lawyer, get some advice on what the company's uh, offer is, whether it's reasonable or not. Chances are it won't be reasonable, uh, and you'll have to negotiate your, for your full entitlements. Again, that's not a complicated situation. We're not talking about lengthy, complex litigation or formal legal yeah. action. A lot of times, it's a conversation with the company, you know, a couple of exchanges, and and the matters uh, settled. So. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's not common uh, at all. And we're seeing that more and more nowadays, especially when it comes to COVID. And particularly, I think we're going to see it a lot when it comes to these mandatory vaccination policies.
0: I know a lot of people think that, uh, you know, in in current uh, environment notwithstanding, they've been at work or had a job for, you know, several weeks or even a few months, and uh, they get let go. They figure, okay, in that case, I either get no severance because I haven't worked long enough. I've been, quote, unquote, maybe on probation. They think that's mandatory. And number two, they maybe get a week or two severance. That's not always the case, is it?
1: Not, not at all. And again, using the example I just went through, short-term employees are yeah. entitled to proportionately longer periods of severance uh, than even longer-term uh, employees. So you know, as a short-term employee, don't accept that week or two of, of severance if you're let go, even within the first year of your employment. Your employer is likely trying to rely on an employment contract you signed, and even then you shouldn't accept a week or two of severance. A lot of employment contracts are unenforceable. Uh, And so again, even if your employer is trying to rely on an agreement that you signed, even if they've only offered you a week or two of severance, make sure you get legal advice. Even in those situations, we are able to increase an employee severance entitlements significantly. Uh, And a lot of times, John, by tens of thousands of dollars, literally.
0: Let's take a short break. Got a few more minutes to go, so we'll get to some more of these questions as well. You'll want to reach out to Alex when the show is over, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And you can also use the website even before that phone call, and that would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll continue. This is the Employment Law Show. All right, all right back at it. John Scholes, Alex Luchaferro as well, managing partner, Sam Mark and LLP, taking your calls, answering your questions. And keeping busy. Want to get to uh, Jesse. Thanks for hanging on, Jesse. How are you? I'm good, and you? Brilliant. What's on your mind? So I've worked
3: at uh, this place for about uh, five years, and then when COVID hit, they laid me off, and, uh, you know, they gave uh, uh, a report that basically says, you know, the the situation is that your position isn't kind of available right now, and... uh, it's been two years, and it seems like every three or four months, they send me another email that says, uh, you know, your, your layout's being extended. And they basically just repeat the same thing to me. And, like, it's been two years, and I just I don't, uh, I don't really know what's going on, and I was kind of looking for some advice on, on what I should be doing, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Jesse. We fielded lots of these over the past year and a half when it comes to these COVID layoffs, I guess we can call them. Uh, are, are you a unionized employee? No. Non unionized? Uh, so yeah. the starting point here is that these temporary layoffs aren't necessarily uh, legal. An employee can uh, kind of dispute the layoff and consider it a, a termination and what we call a constructive dismissal. Uh, now, if you've somehow accepted the layoff, uh, Jesse, and I don't mean with the amount of time that's passed, I just mean either if you have a term in an employment agreement or an employment contract that allows the company to lay you off. Or even if you maybe signed something saying, yes, I agree to this layoff or I agree to be laying off, that might be problematic. But otherwise, Jesse, if that's not your situation, uh, and with the amount of time that's that's passed, you can treat the layoff as a termination uh, and get your full severance entitlements. You said you've been with the company for about five years?
3: Yeah, plus it's been two years since they, they laid me off. So technically, if you... Really? Seven years, yeah that, yeah.
1: that time counts, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do there? Uh, I'm, it was mold making, right? Okay, okay. So it's a kind of skilled, skilled position, and what's your how old are you?
3: Uh, 28.
1: You're 28. So listen, you're probably looking at, at something in the range of about six to eight months as a, as a severance package. Uh, again, it, it depends on those other factors. Uh, if you haven't already, Jesse, you need advice in a situation like this, now might be the time to decide, you know what, I can't wait around any longer. These guys are just, you know, kind of keeping me on a string uh, here. It's time to call it it quits, get my severance entitlements and move on uh, to new work. But again, I think that requires a more in-depth conversation. So uh, give us a call off air. Let's have a chat and let's figure out what the best game plan is moving forward.
3: Okay, well, thanks so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Jesse, for your time as well. Here is how you do that. 1-855-821-5900. Want to get down, uh, Alex, to a couple emails as we, uh, we get down in time here. Richard, uh, says, Alex, I've been, uh, been employed for the last three years through an agency. The agency is the one that pays me. They just told me that there is no more work for me, but did not say anything about severance. Am I entitled to anything? And I'll add to that his email, who would pay for that severance in that case, the agency or the employer?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, John, and it's something that we're seeing uh, nowadays more and more, which is kind of work through agencies. Mm-hmm. Sometimes an employee will start with an agency and then transition to the company, uh, you know, as an actual employee of the company. The reality is uh, is that even if you're employed through an agency uh, and your, em- your your work stops or you're let go from that employment, you are still owed severance. There's no doubt about it. It's not as if an agency somehow magically gets to get away without paying severance to these employees, it's absolutely uh, impossible. So absolutely, Richard, you are owed severance if you've been let go from your agency. Even if they tell you, and John, I've seen this a couple of times as well, an agency won't necessarily let you go. They'll say, well, we have no work for you right now. So just sit tight. You're not Mm -hmm. formally terminated. You don't have a termination letter in your hand saying your employment is ending, you're just kind of put on the bench uh, and sent home. That's also a termination, John. It needs to be clear. Uh, unless the agency is actually giving you work and providing you with pay, uh, you know, in order to earn a living, you know, uh, that's going to be considered a termination. Who pays, uh, uh, John? It could be both, potentially, uh, It and it's more likely the agency, Uh, sometimes in these situations, we have to pursue both the employer and the agency, um, and they have to figure it out between the two of them. A lot of times, it's just the agency.
0: You'll love this one from James. uh, Writes in, again, help at employmentlawyer.ca, the email address I'm going to. James says, I just started back at work last week on modified duties. After being on disability for a few months, at the end of the week, the company let me go. They gave me no reason. They offered me one year of pay after 23 years of employment as a production manager. I'm 62. What are my rights?
1: Jeez. Yeah, where do we start with this one? Okay, well, yeah. a couple of issues that spring to mind. Number one, if if you're being let go from your job so close to coming back from a medical leave of absence, and that's what it sounds like like James was, was doing, that's obviously a massive red flag, uh, John, because the employer might be letting you go. Based on that medical leave right. or because maybe they have to, you know, maybe you're coming back to work on a gradual schedule, uh, you know, or you need some accommodations. If you're being let go for those reasons, that's discrimination, it's discrimination on the basis of disability. Not only is James going to be owed a significant amount of severance, he's also going to be owed other damages uh, for that discrimination, for violation of, of the human rights code. Now, that, that's kind of point number one. And that, you know, again, that's a massive red flag. Point number two is equally concerning, which is he's a 62 year old guy who seemingly is, you, you said, a production manager, yep. uh, John, uh, and 23 years of service. This guy is a two year severance totally. employee. Guaranteed, mm-hmm. guaranteed, uh, John. He's a 24 month uh, guy and they've offered him only 12 months, only one year of pay. That's 50% of his full severance entitlements. He's owed another year without a doubt, and so they've offered him 50 cents on the dollar. So there are a couple of issues there. Uh, John James should definitely be reaching out to us, and uh, you know this situation is probably easily resolvable. Even with these issues such as they are, uh, I guarantee you this company is going to want to resolve a situation like this quickly. Their liability is, uh, is significant.
0: James, appreciate that email, and that's the way we are going to wrap it for this edition of the show. Appreciate you joining us. Alex Luciferro, reach out to Alex anytime and his team. would love to talk to you, if only for a chat, and uh, get some more knowledge, right? 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca, and the website anytime, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll catch you next time, the Employment Law Show.